This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me bring Don Robertson into the discussion. Don, thanks for coming in again tonight. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, it's like living in Alaska. In what way? In Anchorage. No sun. Well, no sun. Yeah, but no snow either. I was, you know, well, maybe tonight. I don't know. But yeah, no sun. It's uh, It's been gloomy. It really has. At a certain point, you do kind of think, when are we going to see some sun again? I think by the next time we see the sun, it's not going to go down till 7.30 at night. <laughs> that could be true. Uh, by the way, before we get to all the sports stuff that I want to talk to you about, I did want to mention one thing, because uh, we know now that the Super Bowl is going to be the Atlanta Falcons versus the New England Patriots. And I wanted to mention, just in case anyone hasn't picked this up yet, there is a really interesting Hamilton slash Hamilton Tiger Cats connection to the Super Bowl now. Because the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons is a guy named Tom Dimitrov Jr., whose father, Tom Dimitrov Sr., was the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats back in 1978. Only lasted five games as head coach, but he'd been here for a while before then. But yeah, so the GM of the Falcons, the guy who built this Super Bowl contending team now, is grew up in Hamilton, spent some time in Hamilton, and played for University of Guelph. That's where he went to university. And he's now the guy who built this team, Tom Dimitrov Jr. So there's your, if you're looking for who you should have a rooting interest in, in this, that, that may be, that may be what you want. We want the kid who grew up as a Ticat fan to be the guy who wins the Super Bowl. Probably the Ticat and the three down system broadened his uh, football pedigree and outlook on the game. He looks at it differently Is now a brilliant four down GM. Well, I mean, he, as I say, he also played in Guelph. He played for the Griffins. So he, he also played in that game. So... I don't know if that, I don't know how much of an impact that would have, but it certainly would, it would be part of his football knowledge base and it would broaden, you would think it would broaden his horizons in some way. I wouldn't be convinced that that's the reason they're in the Super Bowl, no. but I would be convinced that it would give him a different perspective it, on that's what I mean. some of the athletes and what they can do and say, you know, say in these circumstances, we saw that a lot in three down football in Canada and he would be best suited to do that. Who knows? I think, I really believe maybe rightly, maybe wrongly, but I really believe that guys who have been up here for a period of time and gone down there, whether it's as a management person or a coach or a player, there is a higher level of open-mindedness to new ideas. Because the NFL is a very, or has traditionally been a very structured, very rigid, very follow the straight and narrow path of how we do things in the NFL system. And you come down with something different. Look, the NFL today, Don, is in a lot of ways, very similar to what the CFL used to be with the passing game and the quarterbacks who are mobile. And I don't think that there's a way that you can't trace that back to some of the guys that had success here. Not entirely, not in a big lump, but Warren Moon came down and had great success. Well, it's not a fluke. Doug Flutie came down and had success. There's been other guys who have been coaching. The, it, little by little, these little drips and you know things cause change. And I think the CFL has had an impact on the NFL. Well, I, I, I think if you want to relate it to hockey, the invasion of the European player sure. and us playing Euro- European teams on the bigger ice, to a certain extent, a lot of the coaches in the National Hockey League after 72 started saying, you know, the Russians are onto a couple things. After, and if it all did, evolves into changing the game a little bit. If they didn't after 72, then in 76, I mean, Canada won both times. But those Russians and even the Czechoslovakian team in 76 were pretty good. By that point, they were saying, we have to absorb some of these things. And then Borea Salming comes over and Inge Hammerstrom comes over and suddenly it's now being 
tied into the game a little bit and you see, hey, they Stabs have some success. Yeah, absolutely. Let's stick with football for a minute because, as I say, the Super Bowl is coming up and the New England Patriots are back in it for the seventh time, I think, with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick together. And they had one appearance, if I'm correct, before then, and that was when they played the uh, William Perry Chicago Bears and got absolutely obliterated back when they... Remember the fridge. The, the fridge and those guys, yeah, when they had the, uh, the not the Super Bowl, was it the Super Bowl Shuffle? That they did that song. What was the, yeah, st- was that the song? Was. Mike Decker. Yeah. So, the, but the Patriots are back, and this leads to the inevitable question: Are you a guy who, whether it's the Patriots, whether it's the Yankees of the 1990s or early 2000s, whether it's the Montreal Canadiens or Eb- of the 70s or Edmonton Oilers of the 80s, do you love dynasties or do you love parody when every team has a chance? Because every team in the NFL does not have a chance as long as New England is playing right now. I like dynasties. Dynasties in sport today are far more difficult than they used to be by virtue of salary caps. Mm-hmm. Um, Bettman has got a balanced um, um, National Hockey League. I think the NFL is as balanced as it's been in the past. Uh, except for the Patriots. Except for the Patriots, which means that you know you can get that attributes to coaching and how important a quarterback is. But the New England Patriots didn't lose every game without uh, um, Brady either. Well, they went 3-1 and one at the start of this year. Right, so they have a pretty good football club. I mean, they have a great quarterback, but they've got a pretty good football club. And generally speaking, the better teams get there unless the two best teams bump into each other in the first round, uh, which can happen because you know your best players may be injured for four or five games your record isn't as good as it should be, and ultimately the best two teams can play in the first round. That doesn't happen very often, but generally speaking, uh, the best two teams in the league meet. But do you love the fact that the Patriots are back in it this year, or do you say, no, I really wish we'd see someone else? No, I'm fine watching Tom Brady again in the Super Bowl. I don't think it has to be the Jacksonville Jaguars who can't win an inter-squad game. Like, I'm not, uh, I mean, I think the best should be there, and I'm not, if the other teams have all, if the level playing field is there and the GM and uh, the coach and the quarterback happen to be the very best, then so be it. Like, you don't change the rules, the, the National Hockey League do. You don't change the rules to make sure one team can't dominate because that rules generally should be in there forever. It's done to make the game better. If New England Patriots are the best team, let them go every year. I, there was a time when I hated the Patriots early on in this dynasty, because Bill Belichick, he is a guy that, I mean, it's really hard to feel warm and fuzzy for Bill Belichick. And some of the other stuff, you know, I, I really was not a fan of the, but I've, I've come around and I'm not a Boston fan. You know, Bill Kelly will walk in here tomorrow morning and he'll have a Boston Bruin logo tattooed on one butt cheek and a Boston Red Sox logo tattooed on the other butt cheek. I think, I don't know. I've never asked and I've never looked, but anyway. Interesting that you know that. Uh, but he, 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 I'm sure is also a Patriots fan. I've never asked him. I've never actually heard Bill talk about the Patriots, but I'm assuming he is. I'm not a, I'm not a Boston fan. In fact, I often find the Boston teams pretty annoying and pretty aggravating. And I find the fans even more so, but somehow Tom Brady has won me over because there's a part of it where you just, at some point you say, man, the guy's been so good for so long. You just have to appreciate what he's done. And he doesn't always win because he plays with soft balls. That's true. Well, sometimes. And he, it, it, it is. 
I look now. The, the flip side is I absolutely hated the New York Yankees dynasty, their most recent dynasty, and I hated the Canadians dynasty of the seventies. But I love the Oilers dynasty of the eighties. So I'm trying to figure out how this works. But it's uh, well, it's probably because you hate the Montreal Canadiens. If you if you're a Leaf fan, I was a Flyers fan back then. So it was Bernie Perrant era. They they were the yeah. ones who knocked off the Flyers. So I, of course I hated the Canadians. Yep. But I'm just trying to figure out. It seems as though there is a generally more of a dislike for dynasties than there is a like for dynasties, unless you're one of the diehard fans of that team. I can tell you why. Why? Because if the New England Patriots are a dynasty, do you know how many teams that eliminates? So you have so many people hating the New England Patriots all the time. So everyone they, in Buffalo. Everyone in Buffalo and everyone in Miami and everything else, right? So the only people that are happy about the New England Patriots dynasty other New England Patriot fans. Or people who don't have a rooting interest in a particular team and are free agent fans. Look, at, I like the Buffalo Bills. I, I'm sure it's geography. Uh, remember Kelly? Remember the Super yeah, Bowls? absolutely. Wide right. I mean, uh, Norwood. I mean, I I think that a lot of people, first of all, they like to, like to pick on the successful teams. They always go for the underdog, and the Patriots haven't been an underdog for a long time. But again, I really think it comes down to the fact that once there's a dynasty in any sport, everybody else in their division starts hating that team because they always beat their team. So you've got, in essence, 50% of the NFL fans should hate the New England New England Patriots if I'm right, which I am. You know what? And again, it's... Um I, I too was a Bills fan back in those days. I'm, I mean, I'm less of one now. I'm less of an NFL fan now overall, to be honest with you. I, as I say, I sort of now describe myself as that free agent fan. I, I, I would rather see a good game between two teams that I don't have a diehard rooting yeah, interest in than to live and die with one particular, one particular outfit. That, that doesn't matter to me as much. But if I was a Bills fan, yeah, I understand that I'd be ripped off at the Patriots for winning time and time again. What's really interesting to me is if you are a dynasty, there is nothing the other teams want more than not just to beat you when they get a chance, but to finally embarrass you. Yes. Absolutely. If you, if you've been in the position that the Yankees were in, there is nothing other, you will not see other teams if they're playing the Yankees or at least maybe a little less so now, but in the shadow of those dynasty years, if they could get up nine or 10 runs on them, they weren't pulling up. They were going to try and win by 15 if they could, because they want to stick it to the Yankees. That to me makes what the Patriots are doing even that much more impressive. Knowing everybody in the league would love nothing more than to humiliate Bill Belichick. And the way the NFL do the schedule, the better you are, the tougher your schedule the yep. next year. So they're not getting a cake And they suspend here. their superstar quarterback for four games when all to the teams now who are looking at that are saying, here's our chance to really... Straighten these guys out. And you it still did, lose. It didn't work. You still lose. I think that um, what Green Bay have done, who are on and off dynasties, is absolute proof that the CFL and the NFL are really a quarterback-driven league. You can't win with a bad quarterback. That's, okay, so there's your question. Did Tom Brady make Bill Belichick great? Is Bill Belichick a great coach, one of the greatest of all time, because he's had arguably the greatest quarterback of all time? Or is Tom Brady considered maybe the greatest quarterback of all time because he's played in a system 
that created by Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time. I think the system was likely built around Tom Brady. So it's a combination of all of it. I think what would Is drive... Is Glenn a great coach? Or was Wayne Gretzky and that collage of... Uh, of players, um, See, that's well, a, well coached by Sather. That's a tough one. That that to me is a much tougher question because I really believe there are probably twenty guys who could have coached that team to a Stanley Cup or two or three. There's probably only half a dozen that couldn't have. Probably. <laughs> the difference is that was a stable lineup. It had some changes year after year. It would have some changes, but the core of that lineup stayed the same for a long time, and they were all. Superstars. If you were going to give credit to anybody, if you're going to give credit to Sather, it's as a general GM, manager yeah. more than as a coach. I look at the Patriots and they turn over guys all the time. I don't. They got a guy in jail for multiple murders. They got another tight end who's off now with a broken body. Well, they also have three it. times as many players. Yeah, but they lose their quarterback for four games. They're st- and they're playing with a guy at quarterback who's barely played the position in recent years. Like he's not. He's he's like a fourth stringer. And I look at this and I think. Somehow Belichick still makes them win. I, I tend to lean, honestly, towards the fact that Tom Brady has benefited more from Bill Belichick than vice versa. Not that Tom Brady's a bad quarterback who was carried along. He's a very, very good quarterback. But I really believe that had Tom Brady not been playing for Bill Belichick all this time, he would not be Tom Brady as we know him. It's the lack of sun that that won't let me remember who the Green Bay Packers pushed out as quarterback who was considered one of the best of his era. Brett Favre. There you go. More sun would help that. But they also replaced him with Aaron Rodgers, who's also one of the best of his era. Which is why they pushed him out. But that's back to my point is it's a lot about quarterbacks because coaches have changed in Green Bay. Yeah. You can win a lot of football games with a great quarterback. You can get to the Super Bowl a whole lot more with a great quarterback and a great coach. Well... As we go to break, let me uh, ask you this, and part of this will be sacrilege in this city, I understand. But was Pat Burns a great hockey coach, or was he a guy who had Patrick Waugh, and was he a guy who had uh, Felix Potvin Felix and, and Curtis Joseph in Toronto? Was Pat Quinn a great hockey coach, or was he a guy who, when he was in Vancouver, had... Um, Kirk McLean, who was great for a while, and then came here and had Eddie Belfort and part of Curtis Joseph. So are these guys great coaches or are they carried by their players or vice versa? Do the players become great because the coaches create systems that make them better? You know my position on goaltenders. If you've got uh, Carey Price, you're going to look pretty good. on the planet. You know my position on uh, Jacques Demers. The better Patrick Watt played, the better I coach. It's true. Answers all the questions. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Don, the NHL has apparently said, getting back to the world of sports, the NHL has apparently said that next year, as they switch from Reebok doing their uniforms to Adidas, that there will be no more third uniforms, no no more alternate uniforms in the NHL next year. You get your home uniform, you get your away uniform. That's it, period, end of story. Good idea or bad idea? I don't. Uh, I don't understand the rationale. I mean, I always thought the third jersey was gimmicky, so they'd sell more of them. Of course, it was. That's uh, why I don't understand why they're doing it. To be honest, but so the NHL have obviously obviously done some kind of an analysis because they don't do anything that isn't going to make them more money. 
So, and if you wonder why they're doing it, and as I've always said is, just look at if they're going to make more money. That's why they, they do outdoor games. Are they going to stop doing them? Not as long as they're making a boatload of money. So I don't understand the rationale. You'd certainly need to understand the reasoning behind that. Um, and I, I, I don't get it. Well, I, my predi- my only prediction with this, because I, I agree 100% with everything you said, my prediction is they figure, okay, first of all, we've got a new manufacturer coming in. I don't think that really affects anything, but... Let's take it out of circulation for a year, and then the following year, we can come back with a huge splash, and everyone has a third uniform, and we can sell many more of them because it's a new thing again. We can we can really get the attention of everybody by introducing league-wide a third uniform, and immediately they'll be up on NHL.com, and you can buy your own with Robertson written right across the back for only $395, Don. That would be a ripoff. Well... I'm just telling you, that's, I, I No disrespect to any Robertsons in the NHL, and I don't think there are any, but I understand your point. Now, when they made this announcement, did they say forever? Or next no, year next we're going to have... Next year, there Adidas will be Adidas no. is going to take over, and there will be no third jerseys. Right. That's what it is. And I think it's just, it gives you a, it takes it out of circulation well, for a while. Is. That's the rub. You're, you're onto it. They're not going to stop doing something that makes them money. So if they think they've kind of saturated the market now, you're right, they'll take a year off. The Bruins will come back with a dancing bear on the front. But do you like, honestly, do you like the third jerseys generally? I know there are some terrible ones. I'm not a jersey ones. guy, so I don't care, but I, I can tell you this, that the, the Toronto Maple Leaf diehard fans and the Calgary Flame diehard fans who are playing tonight there at Canada Centre, they'll all buy the third jersey. They would buy a play, if the Toronto Maple Leafs make the playoffs this year and come out with a playoff jersey, which wouldn't everybody be coming would buy one. Because they've all got the old ones. Everybody's walking around with a Gilmore sweater on and whatnot. They come up with a playoff jersey, they'll sell thousands of them. Yeah, I... I, First of all, most kids have never heard of them being in the playoffs. I'm not a a huge fan of, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan of 90% of the third jerseys that get introduced. There are some really nice ones. The odd one comes in and you go, wow, that's... You know which one I love? My all-time favorite third jersey was at the first, well, the first sanctioned, the second outdoor game, the one in Buffalo with the Penguins. When the Penguins came back and their third jersey was actually the original oh, the, Pittsburgh uh, Penguin light blue, that was a beautiful shirt. And I went, that is, that's what a third jersey should be. Because it wasn't really gimmicky, it was just a nod to the past. This April, the Brantford Mots Clamatos, who had a 29-year-old general manager, um, Won an Allen Cup in Brantford. With a, with a world-class porn star mustache, as I recall from the photos. Correct. <laughs> no gray. <laughs> uh, we wore the Pittsburgh Penguins original powder blue because Mott's Clamato were our sponsors, and it was the closest blue we could get to their logo. So we bought them. It was hard to get them, but we got them from CCM, and we wore them. And they were famous in Brantford, I'll tell you, for the three years we wore them. They, but you're right. If they if they do throwbacks and they can, Minnesota Wild can't do throwbacks unless they go to a North Star jersey, which, which would, would probably be fine. sell. Sure, it would sell. It would. They'd sell a million of those. The in, Sabers in could go back with uh, the deep blue again. And you, you know, don't mean the the half of Lanny McDonald's mustache one? Yeah. <laughs> or what do they call that one? The banana slug. That was what they were. Uh, the Buffa Slug, Luke is saying, yes, the uh, the one that nobody could quite figure out what it was. It looked like Donald. Well, it looked like Donald Tr- Trump's toupee, quite frankly. Now that we 
look in retrospect. That's his real hair, but blowing in the breeze. Do you remember the uh, Tiger Williams Vancouver Canucks orange, yellow, and black jerseys? The V looked like a V. Yes, I, I still the ugliest uniforms. Save Ever. for many, maybe the Houston Astros, which had a similar color scheme for a while with stripes, may have been almost as bad, but no, they were the worst. I don't mind teams that come back with, uh, like if, I used to like the Rangers uniforms, where they had New York on their road jerseys. Uh, we did that with the Real McCoys one year. The Dundas Merchants used to wear them when I mm. when I refereed the old, in the old Intermediate A-League, and they're across the the front, they would just say merchants, wrote out in letters because they, they didn't have a logo, and Dundas on the road. I mean, they were pretty cool, and the Rangers did the same thing. The problem with third jerseys, in my opinion, is for every one that is classy and really nice, there are six or seven that you look at and you say, this is this is someone, they went and got somebody who was a marketing person to come up with the goofiest thing that would actually fit, and we'd... we'd Identify the colors that are hot right now and make something. And I mean, I think of the 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 New York Islanders had the Captain Highliner uniform at one time. Uh, some of them look like they threw a bag of weed in the middle middle of a college dorm and said, "Come up, with, yeah. come up with something that's really cool." The worst ones ever were the Los Angeles Kings Burger King uniform, which, if you haven't seen what we're talking about, they were they looked like roller hockey uniforms. They didn't even have sewn on crests. It was one of those. Like, I don't even know, what do you call those things? They're like they're screen printed th- and they were, and Wayne Gretzky had to wear that thing. And I thought, you know what, of all the people, he should never have had to suffer the indignity of wearing a uniform that horrible, that horrible. But you know, if the Los Angeles Kings want to go back and they have with their third the jersey now and again, the purple and yellow. Again, are they the best color combination? Wore that when I played junior in St. George because our sponsor was the Lions Club. And their their colors are purple and gold. And they, you know what? And those ones with gold when, pants. When you bring well, Harry Howell used to uh, told me the story once upon a time when he played for the California Golden Seals. The white skates. They had the, when they skated out to begin the first game. They all had white skates, and Harry was the star of the team. He'd been traded there. I guess, traded or signed. I can't remember anyway. And they had dry ice that was blowing onto the ice when the guys yeah. came out of the tunnel. And they were introduced to them. And because of the blowing of the dry ice, which only stayed about six inches off the ice, and the spotlights and the white skates, it looked like they had no feet. It looked like they were floating because <laughs> nobody could actually see their skates. It, the pants just stopped. With skill on loan from God. If a team wants to, look, I will, even though you can't have third jerseys next year, if you want to, if any team has the guts to go to white skates, all white skates with golden skate blades... Bring it on. So you're okay with that? That, I would say. that, And the other one that I would love to see a team make a, try to bring back because, again, so ugly, if some team wants to bring back the Cooperalls for a year, the old long pants. The OHL used to wear them all. Yes. I, I was a linesman in the OHL, and everybody thought they were the greatest thing since sliced bread, but they were all, whatever your color was, Peterborough was that burgundy color, and they'd play somebody with black pants, but they had those great big white stripes down the side of them. So you're looking across the blue line, and all you see is guys with white stripes because the white, you could hardly distinguish the actual color of it. So nobody, of course, nobody was coming to the linesmen and the referees and asking them what they wanted. Well, the linesmen and the referees are actually the only ones now who still wear them. They do. Or, or something similar to Very it. Similar. The, the funny part about the Cooperalls, too, we got to go to a break here. The funny part about Cooperalls, which no one, I guess, had anticipated when they first brought them in, 
is that it's one thing to make them look kind of e- they're easy to put on and all that. But if you fall down at high speed and you're sliding, you can never stop yourself. Because they're like the they're like the the bowl that uh, Chevy Chase rides in Christmas Vacation that he puts the stuff on. You get sliding on the Cooperalls and put the Pam on. Bzzing, you're, you're sliding right across the ice. You can't put a brake to it. Well, I'll tell you what I think of third jerseys. The Dundas Real McCoys. We have one number thirty two. It's only because it was a double extra large when we started. We don't have any crazy numbers. We have one to thirty. And then 32 for a backup for a third string goaltender generally, our third goalie. But we don't even have any crazy numbers. I mean, I don't. Other than retiring all kinds of numbers, I, I, we honor numbers. We don't retire them. We have one retired. But I don't think you know. I think you keep all the normal numbers in play, and that's not the way you sell the game. I think you know. Next year, you guys, since if the NHL can't do it, you guys with the real McCoy should do a an alternate a fuchsia. In a, in a, or some other color that you know, no one really knows the name of. What's we wear it? Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, I know you do. And I, I, I mean, I think they're very classy, same as the Red Wings are, and everything else. I think that's the way they should keep it. Something unless they want to go back. Taupe would be nice. I don't yeah. even know what taupe is. Well, I would go. I would go to teal, but San Jose already have that. Find just find a bunch of colors that no one has ever used in hockey before. Tie dye. Probably get a deal on the jersey. Say, what mistakes have you made? Send those over. <laughs> You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. But, Don, tomorrow, um, at least we hear that tomorrow, Henry Burris is going to retire from football after a career that spanned seven decades. Well, he gets to collect the old age pension. I don't think it was quite that long. But he played for a long time. I think it was 18 years, 21 years, something like that. He played for a long time, played very well for a long time, and went out as a Grey Cup winner with a terrific performance as I think he won the player of the game, but he certainly was the star of that game. Now, he is 41 years old. I understand that. And he did get banged up in that game. But if you're Henry Burris, and it's, you know, everyone has their own reasons, but if you're Henry Burris and you are at the top of your mountain right now, do you retire or do you say, I showed I can still play. I know that I could leave and be at the top of the mountain right now, or I could come back and really bolster my legacy, which we've heard over and over and over and over again from this man. That's what he's really interested in doing. He needs to have a legacy. What would you do? I think his decision is based on money. If he's financially set and doesn't have to go through the abuse again. These guys hate training camps. They hate exhibition games. They hate playing in July and August and so on. If you could drop him in there in October and only have him, he'd have to play the last half of the schedule, he'd be your guy. But Good point. It's an awful lot of pounding. He was out part of the year, didn't play a full year. That helps aging guys, but it'll all come down to money. If he's got enough money to satisfy his needs down in the States, right? And the other thing he's probably looking at now, I assume he goes home somewhere in the United States to live, he's going, so if I make 300000 next year, it's really 210000 Yeah, I th- no, I think he's I think he's a Hamilton. I think, not Hamilton, I think he's a Canadian guy. I think he lives here now, but I'm not sure. I mean, he definitely needs, you need to have money to live. I understand that, what you're talking about with a nest egg, but... I think he's more about the playing time. I think he's more about other things. And and I'm not convinced, even with him having a press conference tomorrow, I'm not convinced we will have seen the last of Henry Burris. Because if Ottawa loses a quarterback, and he's sitting out there somewhere, and as you say, doesn't have to go through training camp, and doesn't have to do all that stuff, I'm not convinced they wouldn't say, hey, come on, let's come back. But 
again, to me, it's, it's an easy thing. A lot of people said, oh, you know what? You quit while you're ahead. You just won the Grey Cup. You quit what while more, you're ahead if you're rich. What more can you do? But there's, there's got to be a lure to these guys to say, yeah, but I could win two Grey Cups in a row and really show myself as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And, and not everybody would want to do that, but we have heard from Henry Burris, over, especially over the last number of years, he has given every indication that his legacy is hugely important to him. He does halftime intermission, halftime interviews where you're listening going, are you concerned about the game or about Henry Burris's legacy? He, this is a huge, huge thing for him. And that's why I'm kind of surprised that he's, he's walking away. Well, if, if, if in fact it is, I mean, he is, he is self-important. There's little question about that. Uh, and if that is important to him, then he should leave it alone. Because, Walk away now. While it's, yeah, but I mean, there, I mean, there's no evidence in, in the CFL. I mean, we talked about legacies earlier, um, and we talked about dynasties earlier. There's no evidence that the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks are going to be a dynasty in the uh, CFL. If he's looking at it going, you know, this was a shot in the dark, and we could miss the playoffs next year. His self-importance is pretty important to him, and if he thinks there's a chance that they'll be at the bottom of the league and can't do well, he will leave on top, as long as he can financially do it. By the way, for next week, could you actually turn up your ringer a little louder? (laughs) Sorry about that. I thought I had it off. Everybody driving in their car immediately went, oh, my phone just went off. (laughs) Someone, someone, someone Someone's probably texting me to tell me what an idiot I am again. Uh, yeah, well, usually you turn it off for that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of those. I, as I say, I just look at the Henry Burris thing and I think, you know, he has. There's no arguing, A, that he's had a terrific career, B, that he is a Hall of Famer, C, that you can put him in the exclusive quarterback club in Canadian Football League history. I'm not saying he's number one or number two or number three, but could you argue that with his longevity and the success he's had that Henry Burris is a top ten quarterback in the league, you could make that argument. See, I don't always subscribe that you have to play 20 years to be a top guy. No, but it helps if you if you are still playing well. If you're still playing well at the end, and he was, that helps to bolster your argument. Oh, without question, without question. But I mean, I think uh, we had the uh, conversation a while ago about Eric Lindros getting in the Hall of Fame and people say, well, he didn't play long enough. Well, they, I mean, they use his head like a piñata. He couldn't keep playing. But during his period of play, he was clearly one of the absolute very best at, that had ever played the game. And I think that's how you judge a guy. If he's the absolute best and can dominate the sport for as long as he wants to play. Um, now, Ken Dryden was never punished for retiring early. Ken Dryden is a Hamilton guy and decided he'd had enough and he walked away virtually near the top of his game. But he had a whole bunch of Stanley Cups piled in behind him. Well, who is, if, if you were going to name the top quarterbacks in CFL history, who, who would you put in that list, roughly? Give me some of the names that you would put in the very, very upper echelon of CFL. Russ court. Jackson. Yes. Who I like. Yep. Joe Zuger. Yep. Uh, well, Joe, Joe Zuger, maybe, maybe. He, I mean, he's a great, two, he punted as well, and he was a great player, and he was a, he, he's a legend. I mean, I would say. I know you're going to rebuff them all. No, no, I would say Ron Lancaster would be up there. You're right about Russ Jackson, but Warren Moon. Warren Moon played only six years in the CFL. Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie played eight years in the CFL. They did not have, so to your point, they didn't have lengthy, lengthy, lengthy careers, but they did amazing things 
in that, but very few guys can pack as much into that period of time that those guys. Well, can. Warren Moon left for for obvious reasons. He play, and so did Doug. So Flutie. did Doug Flutie. We got to play in the NFL and make big bucks again. Absol- everything goes back to the money in, in pro sports. But in those brief careers that they had here, Warren Moon won five Grey Cups out of his six years. Doug Flutie, I don't know how many Grey Cups he won out of his eight years, but it, he probably had to have three or four anyway. Well, Calgary, Toronto, right? I mean, he did. Uh, and go, he started in BC. Correct. And it goes to show you, so great, you need a great quarterback because wherever he went, he won. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, now Burris, Burris is in there. Well, but the problem is being around too long can hurt you. Dave well, Anderchuk isn't in the Hockey Hall of Famer saying, well, he got all his goals and assists and he won all those games, but look at how long he played. What are you kidding me? Doug Flutie won three, apparently. But no, it's a, it's a good point. Henry Burris, though, the interesting thing and why I find this so interesting for the announcement that's supposed to come tomorrow is that he still, he, he may have played one of his best games ever in his last game. And well, so he's like, still... important, he's going to hang him up. That's what he's doing. But I think your point's well taken. And it kind of piggybacked on, on part of my thoughts is if he can play the last seven or eight games and not get the crap beat out of him through training camp and all the stuff that none of them like going through, and he can still do it, and his ego will tell him he can do it, then he may come back and be effective. I wouldn't, uh, yeah, when the announcement is made tomorrow, assuming it actually is, I would be not at all shocked if we saw Henry Burris make a comeback next year if there was an injury. If there was an injury to someone in Ottawa. Or if they're not playing well. I don't think he'd come back for that because I don't think Ottawa's got some good young quarterbacks. I don't think they want to do that. But if they're if they're suddenly now the, if the cupboard is bare, yeah, maybe that happens. He could go anywhere. I don't. Well, is he? I don't know if he's a free agent or if he's just retired. I think I think Ottawa would hold his rights still, so he'd have to come back to Ottawa unless they traded him. Maybe you know. Maybe that happens. The Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred AM nine hundred CHML.